welcome to the next episode of Talk Me to the Movies. I'm Brenna. And I'm Kara. And we're super excited to share this next episode with you all because we're talking about not one, but four movies that we love. That is a lot of movies for one episode. It is a lot of movies, but I think we can handle it. I think we can too. And I think it's kind of be pretty awesome to go back and look at some of these 2019 favorites of ours. Um, especially while people are stuck inside, they can rent these on Amazon and various places. So exactly. Because, th- yeah, don't go outside. It's cr- the coronavirus is among us. Stay healthy, friends. <laughs> Stay healthy and watch these four movies. Yeah. Also, speaking of coronavirus, even if you didn't want to stay home, which you should to be wise, but most of the movies that are supposed to be coming out that are big releases have been pushed out, which is kind of wild. It's strange times out there. I'm really sad about that as well. A Quiet Place 2, I think, just got pushed. Yep. Just like today or yesterday. Mulan got pushed. Mm -hmm. What else got? James Bond. James Bond. Yeah. And that was even supposed to come out until April. So I knew the chips would kind of start falling once that happened. Yeah. And I think First Cow comes out on the 20th. Um, My fingers are crossed that that continues to come out on time. Me too. Send your good vibes to filmmakers. Because as sad as we are to not get to watch them, the people who created these films and (laughs) are not getting to show them at festivals or have their premieres, Obviously, health is the most important thing, but it's just kind of a bummer all around. No, that's a good point, because um, South by Southwest got canceled. Yep. That was supposed to be in the next couple of weeks here in Texas. Which is crazy that that got canceled. That's mm-hmm. a place where so many people use to break their f- films out into the world in a public setting. But yeah, it's a weird time for movies. Are you going to the movies this weekend, though? I don't know. I I wanted to see First Cow, but then realized it wasn't out here yet in a wide release. Um, Dallas sometimes gets those, sometimes doesn't, so it's hit or miss. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I honestly may just take advantage of this whole window of time to catch up on my ever-growing watch list. And <laughs> who knows, maybe I'll even watch some of these movies we're about to talk about again, because I love them all so much. For a second time. <laughs> yep. Have you watched any that. of these two times? You've probably watched one of them at least two times. I have seen Minsomar twice. Yeah, that's the only one. Spoiler alert, that's one of the movies we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should say what movies we're talking about. (laughs) We should. Let's get everyone off the edge of their seat. (laughs) All right. So the first one we already said is Midsommar. The second one is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. The third one is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And the fourth is The Farewell. Yeah. We we look like really big A24 fans right now. We have a type because the one that isn't A24 is Neon. Yeah. It's a sister in hipster film studios. So, <laughs> Man, yeah, this is kind of interesting, which I actually just found this out and not to like get to go far, too far ahead. But we had discussed earlier on that we were upset that Portrait of a Lady on Fire didn't get nominated for the, the international feature of the Oscars. Yes. But I just found out that Neon could only submit one, so they submitted mm. Parasite, and that is why Portrait of a Lady on Fire was Can not. Can you believe they submitted Parasite? What were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love this film, Portrait, I love Parasite more. Right. But I think that's a stupid rule. I didn't. I know I didn't realize that either, that the studios, even obviously Parasite is South Korea, Portrait is France. I always thought of it more as a country-based thing, not a studio. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. which I think that's very, that's so weird to me, but 
It is weird. Maybe it's a monopoly thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's good, though. That's a mystery solved because we were really, really concerned and bewildered at why it wasn't in the awards conversation this year or this past year. So, but it's okay because we're going to tell you why it should have been and (laughs) it can still hold a special place in your heart. (laughs) And just so everyone's aware, this will probably be kind of our exit of 2019 and we'll start... Mm Anytime that we review movies or talk about movies in the future, they'll, they'll either be fun episodes where we're talking about your best date movies, whatever. We actually have a breakup movie on this list. But anyways, <laughs> it, those will be probably past movies, but we're going to be looking in the, at 2020 going forward. So stay tuned for that. As far as like upcoming things that I'm looking forward to, I'm probably going to go and see Emma this weekend, which I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I haven't heard quite as raving reviews as I thought I was going to. Um, but something that I did watch last night that I really liked and I'm also really proud of myself for is <laughs> <laughs> I watched Hereditary. Yes. Um, yes. So it's, I, it's my officially my second Ari Aster film, and it's actually his second long feature. <laughs> but anyways. The 100% percentage rate. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really sticking next to him. I'm going to watch all his movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched Hereditary last night, and it – freaked me out (laughs) yeah we should say a disclaimer as we get into midsommar later you should know that hereditary and midsommar are so different and hereditary in my opinion at least is so much scarier is that what you thought (laughs) i yes i do think that it it definitely has more horror vibes but we can get into that uh it's gonna be hard because it definitely has more (laughs) horror vibes there's a part where someone's sawing skin and it is really loud and made me kind of want to puke but yeah it was scary (laughs) yeah I prefer Midsommar but Hereditary is really really good yeah what an entrance for him onto the filmmaking scene that Hereditary was his first feature just for real it just it's so like Midsommar it's so imaginative has such high caliber actors in it but also it's just his entrance into the world of like here is my mind and I'm just on this whole other level even if it's a hard movie to watch because of the subject matter I think you can look at it and just be totally wowed by yeah. what it is yeah way to way to enter in with like a bang to like the movie world <laughs> we love you Ari we hope you're around for many more years to come <laughs> we embrace your weirdness we like it we do <laughs> we're all about it <laughs> All right, so something I'm really excited about in the future, keeping on the horror theme, is the movie Antebellum, which right now is supposed to come out in late April. We'll see if it keeps its release date, what with the world health crisis and everything getting pushed back right now. But um, it's not directed by Jordan Peele, but it's produced by him. And I think we mentioned that in a past podcast, but I'm just super intrigued by the story. I, I feel like I have a lot of questions based on the trailers, but... Every time I watch it, the hair stands up on my arms and my body. <laughs> I get so freaked out and so excited about it. Um, it stars Janelle Monet, produced by Jordan Peele. We'll see what it's all about, but I'm super excited for that in the future. I feel like that could end up being, you know, in six weeks' time, one of the first new things that actually comes out yeah. in the nearish future. Future, So, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but then something I've watched recently kind of ties into that is... 
Um, in the past week, I watched the original Candyman movie to oh, refresh man. my memory. The first time I watched that movie, I was in seventh grade. Or the oh only my. that was the only time I watched it was in seventh grade, and it's freaked me out since. I bet it stayed seared in your brain because when it you has. see those movies so young, it's like you don't even ever need to see it again. You probably remember all the details. Um, but I watched it just on a slow night, um, just because Were I knew that. Were you alone? I was not alone, oh, okay. so I was cheating a little bit. I wasn't too scared, and, and when my pup is next to me, too, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I can kind of stay grounded in reality. Um, but I was watching it mostly in preparation for, um, again, Jordan Peele's version of it that's coming out. He's just the producer on that one as well. Um, but the trailers come out for that. It looks so awesome and badass, and um, it's a continuation of the first Candyman movie, so I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, and I liked it. I liked the original. It's sometimes tough to watch dated horror because some of the subject matters definitely don't age well, but at its core, the imagination behind that story, I think is really, uh, really great for the horror genre. Is it 1990s or what? Yes. Early nineties, I believe. Early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's kind of right before you get into that weird late nineties, early two thousands phase of horror. Sorry to offend anyone who might love that chapter. But it was definitely an interesting time. <laughs> That's so, it's so funny that you mentioned watching horror films with your dog. Because last <laughs> night I was like covering my dog's eyes. Because I was like, Aww. I don't want you to see this. Oh, protect her. <laughs> Good idea. She probably has no idea. She doesn't, she doesn't care. But still. Pups are so pure of heart. <laughs> they are so pure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, we're on a horror kick. Let's do it. Should we just start with Midsommar? I think we we should. We should? Yeah. Okay, so Midsommar, basically what it's about is there's this young Danny who is played by Florence Pugh, um, and she is in a relationship with uh, a boy named Christian um, who's played by Jack Rayner. But basically they are in a relationship, and Danny goes through something that's really, really intense with her family. Um, and I will say that if you are watching this movie and you are squeamish at all, maybe turn away for the first 20 minutes and then start watching again. (laughs) But, um, anyway, so she goes through family tragedy and she ends up getting invited to go with her boyfriend and his friends to a midsummer festival, which is actually in a remote Swedish village. Um, and when they go there, they kind of run into, um, one of their friends, families um and basically it's kind of like a uh it's very sinister but it's like this very um a cultish community commune situation and basically <laughs> keep the whole guessing. yeah keep <laughs> guessing yeah if you know contact us and let us know what they are but anyways um <laughs> this place that's very beautiful in this paradise they learn more and more about it and they, it starts to be um, very, very dark. And yeah, mm. so I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, but I think one of the most interesting parts of this is the whole movie is basically in broad daylight and yeah. it's beautiful, but it's so creepy <laughs> at the same yep. time. But totally. yeah. 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 It's like, so it, that's the thing that one of the things I love the most about this movie is it's so beautiful. Like, gorgeous scenery shots um costumes yes the costumes um this little town they've created for it it's called like Halsingland or 
something of the sort, <laughs> something more Swedish sounding, but um, just the buildings they built for that. And there's this um, area that they all sleep in and the whole interior, actually more than one building, but mainly the building they sleep in, the whole interior is just covered with these paintings of what we presume are stories um, according to their folklore. And it's just so well done down to each incy detail. The craziest <laughs> part about that is I was listening to an interview with Ari Astor, who's the director, and he talks about how he was still working on Hereditary when they started building that set. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it, they literally built that, built that set from the ground up in two months. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. It's like, I want to live there. I don't want to deal with all the creepy stuff that they were doing, but <laughs> I would like to live in that place. I do some of the creepy stuff. Yeah, like I mean, the, the dancing. dancing. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen the trailer or anything for this movie, um, a lot of things that stick out are um, the dancing around the Maypole with the oh, women yes. in the commune. And um, it's just, yeah, those parts of it, I'd be totally down for. <laughs> yeah. Parts of it are great. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, when I talk about this, I have a lot of bias because this was one of my favorite movies of the year last year and um, probably one of my favorite movies of all time, to be honest. It's hard to put it in a ranking because I feel like this top 10 list in my head changes a lot, but this movie, I think, is just pure genius. It's just so detailed and so smart. <laughs> We're trying to not give full spoilers yeah. as we give these overviews because we want people to watch them. That is true. <laughs> and we understand that most people probably haven't seen all four of these films. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, you mentioned Florence Pugh plays the main character, Danny. I think without a doubt, her performance in this movie was the best acting performance I saw all last year, except for maybe second to Florence Pugh herself playing Amy March in Little Women. So, and that's the one she was nominated for an Oscar for, but big just, year for Florence. Yes. Uh, she's our literal May queen. She <laughs> May is. queen of our hearts. Um, but just, you mentioned the beginning of this movie is pretty dark and um, hard to watch as it's setting up the whole reason that they go on this trip to Sweden, but just the range that she shows and just as a person going through an extreme amount of pain and trying to heal from that, but at the same time dealing with this toxic relationship um, is just pretty incredible. It's, it really is. Yeah. It sticks <clears throat> with you. You you had mentioned to someone in our office, you were like, oh yeah, if you're squeamish, I recommend mm -hmm. just like maybe covering your eyes for the first 20 minutes it, mm -hmm. or like just being aware of the first 20 minutes and then it gets yeah. better after that, which I completely agree. I think the mm -hmm. first... I, I'm guessing it's in the first 20 minutes, but the first 20 minutes is probably the most intense part of this film. For sure. I'd say that is, and I've heard others say this too, that is the real horror of this horror movie is yeah. the beginning of it. The part that's most true to real life. It's just everyone's worst nightmare come to life. So if you do watch this, beware, not for the faint of heart, yeah. <laughs> but we wouldn't recommend it if we didn't think it was, <laughs> it was worth seeing the whole thing play out. That is so true. <laughs> Last week on our Parasite episode, we talked about how Parasite's a really good date movie. Mm. Um, in contrast, I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like this is a really good breakup movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah I, this actually, 
I think this movie is first and foremost a breakup movie. Yeah. Whenever Ari has <laughs> talked about it in multiple interviews, he's like, yeah, I guess you can say it's a horror movie, but really it's just like a movie about a breakup. But I've also heard him compare it to like a, to call it a folklore fairy tale horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's, I love that because it's totally so many fairy tale elements to it. That's why it's still fun to watch despite yeah. this kind of creepy vibe it has going on. <laughs> it's it's very uh darkly whimsical if if that's not an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> did this did this movie remind you of any of your breakups in the past? Um <laughs> maybe a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I mean I never not in a straightforward way, but um, I mean, you've never went to Sweden after no. a breakup and tried <laughs> shrooms. And- <laughs> right, I never. Oh gosh, I never went quite that far, but I I do think something that's relatable about this movie is just as you watch the dynamic between Danny and Christian play out. They're kind of at this point where they've been together for a handful of years. She's gone through a significant trauma, um, and he's just not really in, in the place in his heart, at least, where he wants to be there for her. You just know they're not supposed to be together. And yeah. so there's a lot of toxicity there. And um, I think even if not on that level, people know what it's like to kind of be in a dying or fizzling out relationship where someone's just going through the motions. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could definitely relate to it. It's why I loved the ending of this movie. I would never... <laughs> I would never do what ends up happening, but the ending of the movie definitely has a lot of power to it. Yeah. Um, that closing true. scene. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> what you wish would happen if someone broke your heart. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> there comes the fairy tale aspect <laughs> yeah, of it, only in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that's interesting about this is that Ari asked her, he was approached by a Scandinavian film company who kind of asked him to write this movie and they just, they didn't give him any parameters, but he was like, he just ran with it and he was going through a breakup at the time and Mm. he knew he wanted to write a breakup movie. So he ended up writing this film and he actually says that he finds himself relating to Danny a lot in this film. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is interesting. But I think my favorite, because, yeah, breakups, they suck, whatever. But, but like, <laughs> boo. <laughs> boo. But one thing I love about this, and this is probably the final thing I'll say on this film, but I there's a lot of scenes in this that are just, like, amplified, uh, really dramatized aspects of what it might be to go through a breakup, to be mm-hmm. cheated on, to be, like, portrayed, or betrayed, not portrayed, <laughs> betrayed, and the way that those things are even though that doesn't happen to you in real life that's somehow that's kind of what it actually feels like yeah like it evokes that same emotion in you that same emotion that those yeah. actually that's what it feels like but i love that that's so smart it's like that <laughs> that's not the thing that's straightforwardly happening on screen but you feel it yeah you're like oh my gosh i felt this way that danny feels before mm-hmm. i mean i've never that's never happened to me but i i know exactly how she's feeling in that yeah moment. oh Ari Aster, we love you. Ari. <laughs> also, one last point on this movie, too, is it's actually very funny. It is That's funny. another great aspect of it. Hereditary, I would say, is really not in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it is not funny at all. <laughs> but Midsommar has a little bit of something for everyone, I would say. For your whimsical friend, for your friend who likes comedy, for your friend who likes horror, get together. Watch <laughs> this nearly three-hour movie. <laughs> And have a good time. Yeah, we think it's worth it. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Awesome.
awesome. What do we have, what do we have next? What's your number two? Uh, what's my number two? Actually, we can do what my number one is. Oh, yes. That's my number one, too. It is. I, I didn't, I didn't make a list like you, but it would be in my mind. Okay. <laughs> well, both of our number ones, like if we were to put these in order from favorite to least favorite... But they're, but they're all of our favorites. That makes yeah, we love, all these <laughs> we love all these movies. We love all these movies. Is Last Black Man in San Francisco, yes. which is directed by uh, Joe Talbot. And then also, I think, Jimmy Biles? Or is he he's the writer of this film. Yes, I think they were. He plays the main character, also named Jimmy. But I think they were like collaborators in the writing and pretty much everything on this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about it? Sure. Mm, you guys, this movie, it's the kind of film that changes you. I've pretty much not shut up about it. Neither of us has since yeah. we've seen it. Um, this movie, I said this about Midsommar. This movie is also one of my favorite movies of all time, if not currently the favorite movie of all time. I mean, wow. that spot is always up for grabs. But <laughs> um, <laughs> right now, this movie has had a huge impact on me. Um, so The Last Black Man in, in San Francisco. Uh, This story, as we mentioned, centers around a main character named Jimmy. Um, He is a San Francisco native who dreams of reclaiming the Victorian home his grandfather built in the heart of San Francisco. Um, He's joined in this quest to kind of take back his family home by his best friend, Mont, which is short for Montgomery. Um, And as they kind of play this out and are trying to reclaim the house, Um, It's all in an effort to find belonging in a city that's changing really quickly, whether it's gentrification, changing neighborhoods. Um, The city that they've known and loved is basically leaving them behind. Um, So as Jimmy struggles to reconnect with his family and reconstruct the community he longs for, um, his hopes bind him to the reality of the situation. This is uh, what A24 says, not me, but I think it's really, really good. It says, the last black man in San Francisco is a poignant and sweeping story of hometowns and how they're made and kept alive by the people who love them. That's a beautiful teary-eyed. Who wrote that? (laughs) Yeah, we want to (laughs) know. Someone who works for A24, you did a great job. Yeah, this movie is really special. I... (laughs) It's beautiful <clears throat> in every aspect. Mm-hmm. The filming is really, the yeah. way it's filmed is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. The colors, the architecture, the everything is, the oh, I forgot to mention, but the soundtrack is oh, yes. literally maybe one of my favorite soundtracks of the year. It's so good. It's like, it's perfect for, just for active listening, for putting on the background of anything you're doing. The score, yeah, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the song, I think it's like "Flowers in Our Hair." San Francisco, yes. "Flowers in Our Hair" is like "Flowers in Our Hair" is in parentheses. But anyway, <laughs> it's on Spotify. Go and listen, watch. It, you literally got brought to tears listening I to the song. <laughs> I was driving into work one morning. I was pretty sleep deprived, but that song came on in my random Spotify shuffle, and then I was weeping in the car. So you know, wow. that's a normal thing to do. <laughs> If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear flowers in your hair. If you come to San Francisco, 
really cool about this is that, well, okay, it's Joe Talbot's first freaking feature and it's this masterwork in our opinion. Um, but it was also made by a group of friends who had this movie funded initially by Kickstarter before they were ever before they brought it to the big studios, one of which is Plan B, Brad Pitt's company, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, this was funded by Kickstarter. It was a group of friends. One of them directed, you know, one of them was the main actor. Um, their friends were the main producers in it. And I just, I think you can really feel the love in that collaborative effort in this movie. As the synopsis said, it's a movie about loving your hometown and where you're from and what that makes you to be but I think that it wouldn't have been who knows if it would have been as successful if it wasn't that group of people behind it that they're all true uh, Bay Area San Francisco natives and they really love that city and it's just such an incredible story yeah (laughs) the real life version and the film version (laughs) it really is um it also has we're talking about the soundtrack. Needle. There are certain needle drops in films that I think stick with you. You know, like certain scenes where it starts off with a song. Sometimes it's a well-known song. Sometimes it's not. But for whatever reason, the pairing of that song and that scene are perfect together. And in this movie, there's a moment like that where um, it's a group of recurring characters who you see um, hanging out in the street where the character Montgomery lives. And they're having a bit of an argument or heated discussion um, you know, lots of hand gestures, people yelling at each other, but all you hear is this Joni Mitchell song and <laughs> just the pairing of those two things, something that you would never That's so expect. Funny. <laughs> I don't even know if I noticed that. <laughs> I'm also a Joni Mitchell stan, so I might have <laughs> it's also fair to say it might have stood out to me more than more than it would to an average viewer. Yes. <laughs> um, but I just it's just like a small glimpse of the imagination and just unusualness behind this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think if one thing I regret about our our first podcast that we did, I hadn't seen this film. Mm. And if I could recommend someone to get an Oscar for Best Actor, mm. it would be Jonathan Majors, mm-hmm. who plays Mont in this film. Yeah. He same. is absolutely phenomenal he -hmm. has a monologue in this film that is will literally bring you to tears (laughs) and then like it's just amazing I'm like how many takes did you do this in because it is he's so good yeah it's it's incredible it's like I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say but yeah in that scene he's basically putting on a one-man play um and we won't spoil what the subject of that play is but yeah I mean, I'm, yeah, Yeah. I'm so with you. He, okay, maybe, maybe he's tied with Florence Pugh for my best performance, (laughs) acting performance of the year. (laughs) It's a very different performance, but yeah, equally amazing. You can't compare the two. (laughs) Can we spoil one thing about this movie? Sure. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it, but you should watch it anyway. (laughs) I think the quote that I see that a lot of people stuck with, with this movie that I think is really important for these times yeah. is that people are not one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Tears. Yes. Tears. People are not one thing. <laughs> I think, yeah, you're right. I think we can all be, re- we can't be reminded of that enough. <laughs> yeah. And I think on the balance of that, like I think 
one, we learn like that's a theme throughout this movie. Um, but also is something that meant a lot to me was how much care and attention that Jimmy put into something, his house that he loves so much. Yeah. I'm like, do people do this? Like, do people, you know what I mean? Like, right. Do I do this? Do I love anything this much that I take Mm. such good care of it? I thought that was really cool too, but. That's such a good point. Yeah, he's literally, he's touching up the paint every day. And it doesn't even belong to him. Yeah, it doesn't even belong to him. It's no longer in his family. And yeah, that, the whole, even though, yeah, admittedly, I've never cared for a house or probably anything in my life like that. Just watching him love that home and what it meant, it definitely made me, it connected with me just from the sense of having homes in my family or ones I've spent time with um and just the memories that are tied there and why yeah you'd you'd it'd be tough to watch someone else take it over and do something different with it especially in circumstances like this movie um kind of breaks down but yeah it's just it's almost hard to talk about because (laughs) it's like I just I feel like I just want to make emotional sound effects like words don't do the trick <laughs> like well, give us an emotional I don't know. give us the emotional sound effect of last black man in san francisco <laughs> i don't think i can do it i'm afraid it'll come across as the wrong kind of sound <laughs> i think of like actually I I, i'm thinking of this one like part in that song where he's like I can't. <laughs> we should insert, we should insert a clip. Yeah, just we'll a insert clip of that song. Just a clip. So you guys just a little clip. Yeah. Well, once taste. you hear that music, you'll know. You'll get it. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. We'll end on that. On yeah. That. <laughs> All right. What did we say was number three? Oh, oh no. You you choose. What do you what do you want to do next? I think you're. I agree with you. I think next we should talk about. Portrait of a Lady on Fire because number four, The Farewell, was a little bit more prevalent in the end of year. Will it, won't it be in the awards conversation? It got a Golden Globe. It did. Yeah. It did. Aquafina. Oh, Aquafina. Love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's talk Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Another. We saw this movie together. We did. Well, we were, we were two rows apart. But we, we were. <laughs> we were in the same room. <laughs> it also smelled in there. <laughs> Yeah. That's how good this movie is. Yes. It smelled really bad in the theater and I completely forgot about it by the time. It was a strange experience. But yeah, we were totally like, I didn't know where I was when I was watching this movie except for in the room with these people. I know. Seriously, though. What a great movie. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like the all three of these are especially... Last Black Man and Portrait of Lady on Fire are like soul-shaking kind of movies. Yeah. So get your tissues ready, get your headspace right, whatever you need to do <laughs> before you watch these. <laughs> okay, so Portrait of a Lady on Fire takes place in France in 1760. Um, and it's about a young woman named Marianne who is commissioned to paint a wedding portrait of a woman named Eloise. Um, So she makes a long journey to come to the home of Eloise and start to paint um, this bride-to-be. So I guess it was popular in this time to be painted and then that painting presented to your future husband. Um, But when Marianne arrives, she is told by Eloise's mother that she cannot tell her that she's painting her. So she ends up 
observing Eloise by day secretly and painting her by the firelight at night. When Marianne is painting this portrait, um, increasingly every day, Marianne and her are growing in their relationship and they fall in love. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful movie. It really is. It really is. It's stunning. Stunning. <laughs> stunning in terms of the art in it and also <laughs> stunning in terms of the story and the real people and um yeah. 1760. I don't know why I was thinking this was like in the 1800s. Yeah, I I thought so too for some reason. There's kind of that that vague area where I'm like, okay, at what point in time did we have <laughs> you know, electricity or <laughs> yeah. this type of way of life? Um but yeah, that's that's really impressive. Yeah. One thing I'm really liking that's like happening in the industry now, specifically as it relates to films that are centered around women and women issues, is that we keep seeing like movies like Little Women and Portrait of a Lady on Fire that are bringing up feminist issues mm-hmm. in these times where feminism was like, elite, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that this has a lot of interesting winks at certain feminist beliefs and culture and stuff like that and i i think it does it really beautifully so i really like this film yeah (laughs) gosh it's so i've I've heard some criticisms of it and the way it unfolds some people think it's a little bit too slow and methodical in the beginning um but like like her her journey there yeah her journey there and just you know it, it does in story terms it the plot does start off a little bit slow because, um, you know, Marianne, before Marianne and Heloise really know each other, Marianne's just kind of there to do a job and she has a lot of curiosity about this person that she's supposed to be painting, but things kind of happen in small bite-sized bits, like the time they spend together and, and then you see her starting the beginnings of a painting and I guess it is, I give it to people that it's a little bit methodical, but I don't know, I personally felt enthralled by every piece of it I did too. <laughs> I was totally sucked in yeah <laughs> I I felt like the connection that they made was seemed like a realistic time frame because we yeah because we did see all these little bitty snippets even the way that the director Celine Shama I don't I don't know, I don't if I'm know. I've heard that. some people say Skiyama I've heard some Skiyama. people say different things but well basically she Celine Skiyama the director decides to not show Eloise's face, um, like even whenever their first interaction, we're actually following Eloise. We're at the same point of view as Marianne. We're following Eloise, and then she turns around, and I thought it was, I thought that was really effective. Because I mean, even I was listening to an interview that this director did, and she was like, "Everyone knows what she looks like. She's been on all the posters and all this (laughs) stuff." But it builds that like the suspense of. Eloise finally seeing Marianne for the first time. Yeah. So yeah, I really liked that part. Yeah. I agree. It's super effective because to that point, we do know what the actress, I believe her name is um, Adele Hanel. I hear her name a lot. The whole world is obsessed with her because we were taught to fall in love with her through this movie. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> even though you know what she looks like, when she you do finally see her, you have that same feeling. Yeah. Like we were talking about with Midsommar, you're like, oh, like seeing her face. Like it's like a big... Deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's so beautiful. 
<laughs> something else that's interesting. We talked a lot about music in the last movie that we covered, but there's no mm. there's no music in this film that isn't actually <sighs> happening in this film. Yeah, that isn't like music there's that no someone's score. playing. Right. Right. <laughs> there's no score that happens. It's all it's you're literally hearing what's happening. Yeah. Um there's like three times. I believe it's three, right? Yeah, I can think of three off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. And it's three times that music is played and it's either a time where these two characters are really connecting with one another or they are actually separated from one another. But anyways, mm-hmm. The music part of this is really cool. Yeah, it's it's so true. It's like you think about score, kind of like we were talking about with Black Man, Last Black Man in San Francisco, is a score in a movie really can carry you on this crazy emotional journey and kind of can play a big role in getting the viewer there to yeah. like, you know, pushing you over the edge of like, I'm sort of sad to like, oh, I'm really feeling this now because of a swell in the music or whatever it is. But I think that's what's so impressive of this movie about this movie. Like you said, there is no score unless it's something that's happening as part of the story, but you're still with them feeling all the things Mm -hmm. that they do, even though without music, it's literally like there's a lot of emphasis on people breathing and the sound of the brush strokes on the canvas. Um, I'm actually like pretending to paint a picture right now, <laughs> but just like real life noises. And it's quiet because as we've learned now, it was the 1700s. Yeah. Um, no one had their Spotify playing in the background or. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's just, it's so interesting. You don't see that very often, but it is really effective and pays off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, it would be really interesting to be the person who is hired as the artist for this film. Oh, yeah. Because it was not the actress, right? <laughs> no, it was not the actress. <laughs> they hired an artist who did, I mean, you see, like, I mean, you see sketches, like mm-hmm. tons and tons of sketches throughout this film. I'm like, wow, you really have a hardworking crew there. <laughs> yeah. But. And a lot of like fast sketching too on the yeah. spot that is extremely accurate and man, I don't know about you. We both went to to an art school of, and <laughs> I could not draw like that oh. to save my life. So <laughs> I still have mad respect. <laughs> I have mad respect too. This movie actually inspired me to sign up for a drawing oh, that's class. That's right. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I think it, I, I believe it starts in April. So nice. Next year I'll be portrait of a lady on fire status. <laughs> Oh, we'll be commissioning commissioning you for yeah. portraits around. <laughs> I feel like in 2019, I didn't watch a lot of romances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. But this was this was a really effective romance, and this was the first. This is actually the first lesbian love story I've actually seen on film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some that I'm planning to on watching, but this was done really, really well and really beautifully, and. Um, yeah, I think all romances, romance novels should, or not novels, romance <laughs> films should be this eloquent and this yeah beautiful. I but, agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it really takes you, it was like such a nice reprieve from, there's a lot of, I think just as a reflection of society and culture today, it seems like a lot of films are dealing with really heavy topics and mm-hmm. You know, obviously, this 
because of the circumstances the characters live in and and everything this movie is not all sunshine and rainbows but it, it was like I didn't really think about it until you said that but it was a nice relief um to enter into a story like yeah. that yeah. <laughs> other than yeah there was a lot of violence in 2019 in films there really was yeah there was yeah a lot of violence and plights of the the old white man I know yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can cut that out. That really was like the theme. That's hilarious. That's staying in. So yeah, it was great to focus on just women and oh yeah. I think one theme that's interesting that we will not ruin for listeners, but um, is the idea of having a choice. Mm, yeah. Uh, Marianne, who's the painter, her life is doesn't really look like Eloise's. Eloise is about to get married. So Eloise has so many choices that she can actually make about her life. Mm-hmm. Most of her choices are made by her mother or will soon to be made if she gets married or whatever happens to her by, yeah, just by society in general. Yeah. And we're able to see at least three women in this film who, um, just the different choices that they have the freedom to make for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes, it kind of makes me very, um, relieved that how many choices that I have for myself. So, yeah. yeah. That's such a good point. It's like, I think sometimes period pieces like that, at least for myself, I can kind of look on and kind of miss the impact of that because I just look at it as a piece of history and I've never lived a life where I because I'm I'm privileged to have always had those kind of choices so yeah you're right that is a huge theme of this movie and just another reason why it's so cool (laughs) it is really cool do we want to get into our last film yeah our fourth and final recommendation for this episode anyway (laughs) is dun 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 the farewell. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, this one um, hopefully doesn't feel like being a dead horse because it was a lot more prevalent in awards conversations, but it didn't end up really being in the Oscars or kind of in the final running for the big deal awards, if you think that way. Um, so yeah, we still wanted to talk about it and consider it one of the best of last year. So the farewell is a funny, uplifting tale (laughs) based on an actual lie. (laughs) Um, So the movie centers around um, Chinese-born but U.S.-raised Billy, who is played by Aquafina beautifully in this film. Um, And she returns to where her family is from in China to find that, although their entire family knows, um, her grandmother, who they call Nai Nai, has been given only a few weeks to live. Um, due to cancer. However, everyone in the family has made the decision that they're not going to let Nai Nai know about this. Um, So to assure her happiness, they gather under the joyful guise of an expedited wedding, uniting family members scattered among new homes abroad. Um, So kind of within this whole situation, Billy is just trying to navigate the expectations of her family back in China, the way she personally thinks she should react to this news, um, and all at the same time is she's kind of rediscovering the country she left as a child because she's been in America since she was very young. Um, but it's just a really great movie where we get to witness her reconnection with her grandmother all while she's keeping <laughs> this massive secret from her. 
Um, and just her kind of learning what it really means to put someone first outside of yourself and um, just the way we think about things differently in different cultures. So, um, yeah, it's a really heartfelt, poignant movie. Something really cool is that it's a true story um, that is the director Lulu Wong's own personal story. This happened in her family. Her grandmother was sick, and she was the Billy who <laughs> couldn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, who couldn't say anything. Um, so I just – the fact that she got to put together it, – well, it's a crazy story to have in your family in the first place. Yeah. But then um, – to be able to portray it on screen so beautifully, I think that's a separate skill in and of itself. Like, we all have crazy stories, but I couldn't necessarily make a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah. This, like, this, whenever I saw this, this blew my mind that this was actually something that is happening in a culture. And I'm not trying yeah. to be judge, sound judgmental when I say that, but I'm like, it's just so foreign to me. Like, my family talks about everything. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I could not even imagine keeping someone's imminent death right. from them. Yeah. <laughs> but or there is a conversation that's had between Billy and her uncle in this mm. film that you yeah. really start, you're like, oh, wow, maybe I need to start thinking of things a little bit differently here. Yeah, I think that's my favorite scene in the movie where they're really – kind of coming to terms with the different ways that they're perceiving this situation. Yeah. It's really powerful. It is really powerful <laughs> and kind of just like, it's like an eye opener that things are different, different places and that's okay. And yeah, there's good reasoning behind it, but not that I agree with it, but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a, a quote that I wrote down from this, that maybe from that scene, maybe a slightly different one, but um, actually I think it's, Billy's mom who says this to her and she says you think one's life belongs to oneself but a person's life is part of a whole and I felt like that was just such a stark illustration like of exactly what you said people things are different in different places or viewing things like this in people's lives are different in different places but especially in America we're very much like, this is my life. I will do what I want with it. I will put myself out to the world the way I want to be put out to the world. And uh, something's happening. I think people should know, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That is our culture here. But yeah, it was, it it was interesting that how the family all came together to all the work that went into this lie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We should talk about that a little bit. I don't think it's a huge spoiler, but because it's, it's even, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's kind of in the description. Yeah. I was like, did I say it? Yeah. (laughs) But literally Billy's cousin has a fake wedding. Yep. Or (laughs) Yeah. That's like their excuse for getting the family together. Right. Oh, well, I guess they didn't think that they would actually have the wedding or no, 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 no. But I don't even now I'm like starting to doubt myself. But yeah, yeah, they they say that Billy's cousin is getting married. Yeah, and they all come together. This poor girl, <laughs> <laughs> the person he's kind of fake dating, getting married fake to, dating yeah, or fake getting married to, gets put in this situation, and there ends up being a wedding. Yep. <laughs> Which is also one of my favorite scenes is yes. the reception. <laughs> I love the reception. It's just this family sitting at a table together, getting drunk together, playing games. And 
I think that, those were my favorite parts of this movie um, that I can kind of discuss spoiler free, but just the parts where you're just watching the family be a family, yeah. like when they're sharing a meal at the dinner table or at this wedding, um, the moments when Billy's not even really thinking about the situation she's faced with, but just enjoying their company. And then you, you also kind of within those see her have those moments of realization and remembrance of like, oh, like I'm having such a great time with my grandmother, but this might this to her mind is the last time yeah. she's going to see her. It's just like a lot of wave of emotions. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of have the same opinion as Aquafina or not yeah. Aquafina, Billy mm-hmm. is in this film. And I think that point of view of kind of like having that in common with the main character is really impactful for how you just see this movie play out. And so you feel really connected with her, but you also feel really connected with her family as things progress and you just get really emotionally involved by the end. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Such a sweet family. The the woman who plays the grandma, Sashu Shen, she's just, I think she captured everyone's heart. <laughs> she Didn't she get Best Supporting Actress at, yes. um, what, what award show was it? Um, the, the Independent or Spirit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because... Even though it, did she have coronavirus? Or we know uh, she got, no. no, she was she was quarantined. Yes, okay. she couldn't come to the award ceremony to accept it because by then already it was situation was really bad over there and she was in that region. Um, but as far as I know, she's okay. Yeah. I'm sending you our our best wishes. Yes, <laughs> and it won actually best feature at the Independent Spirit Awards oh, as well. I didn't realize that. Yeah, big deal. So yeah, Aquafina won. Best Supporting or Best Actress in a Comedy at the Golden Globes. And then at the Independent Spirit, Sashu Shen won Supporting Actress and then it won Best Feature. And I would recommend YouTubing Lulu Wong, the director's speech for she accepted the acting award on her behalf and then also the film award. And just what she has to say is really, really powerful. Yeah, just about giving, about all the people who gave her a chance and why it's so important that like we've talked about around the Oscars and all of that, especially, but why it's so important that different people's experiences are shared in mainstream media and entertainment. And um, yeah, it'll get you, it'll get you hyped up. <laughs> I might watch that tonight. <laughs> yeah, you should. And she's just like, oh, I love Lulu. She's just so fashionable yeah. and, and tiny and cute and smart and, <laughs> Aquafina is so fashionable too. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our four movies. Yeah. I think if you're if you're feeling a bit bummed with coronavirus or being stuck at home or feeling there's a lot of worry out there in the world too around this, I think hopefully these can give people some escapism. Yeah. And... A little bit of escapism. Yeah. If you had to recommend one of these movies, if they're not going <gasps> to see all four, what Ooh. would you recommend? Ooh. Oh my goodness. Well. I think you probably still have to go to the movie theater to see Portrait, which oh, you that's a good can. Point. Yeah. Point. Um, I, I'm going to say Last Black Man in San Francisco. I think it's the most, um, I don't, I, much as I love Midsommar, I don't think it's for everyone. <laughs> but the people who it's for are going to love it. Yeah. But I think The Last Black Man in San Francisco is just, it's important for our times. And I think you it's going to be universally beloved i don't understand how it can't be (laughs) and i completely agree with that and it's free on amazon or 
you, if you pay for Amazon Prime, then you can watch it there. Yes. For no additional payment. Yeah. <laughs> Support these filmmakers. They're as indie as it gets. And yes. um, you should we, this. we actually contacted Joe Talbot. <laughs> we did. So um, we asked you him know for him. an interview. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't responded to our inquiries. So, <laughs> Joe, if you're listening, I know this is your favorite podcast. So. <laughs> It's everyone's favorite movie podcast. Talk me to the movies. <laughs> um, outside of these four movies, another movie that was definitely in the awards conversation, but I don't think got the love it deserved is Uncut Gems. We're not going to break it down, but that's another one that I think is streamable now and that I'd recommend to people if you want to see Adam Sandler just blowing it out of the water and <laughs> um, just really another unique perspective on filmmaking with the Safdie brothers who direct it. I would definitely recommend that as one of 2019's best as well. Yeah. We're really, we're really turning the boat with these A24 recommendations. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to start wearing badges that say official A24 stands. (laughs) We'll watch no other movies. (laughs) Can I plug one too? Yeah, let's do it. People are going to need things to watch. (laughs) Okay. Another honorable mention which actually I think this is neon. Wow. Oh, just putting up a fight here. <laughs> Waves. Oh yes. I have is not it seen neon? This. Um, it's not a 24. Now when I think of a 24, I just think of that in- Instagram, um, the Instagram filter that shows you all the a 24 <laughs> movies. So that's how I check myself as I remember that. <laughs> Which a 24 movie were you? <laughs> I, did you cheat? Did you do it multiple times? Yeah, I got American <laughs> Honey, and then I did it a couple times until I became... I kept on asking it to make me a May Queen. <laughs> and it granted your wish. <laughs> it granted my wish, so I was a May Queen. Yes. So, yeah, Midsommar. Love it. <laughs> I'm going to check out Waves, too. That's going to be on my Please list. Please watch Waves. Yeah, I, I missed it in theaters somehow, but I did notice it was on streaming now, so... I'll check that one out. Yeah. You should too, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> It'll literally make you just so reminiscent on adolescence and what it's like to grow up in high school. Wow. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so watch it. So our next episode, um, we'll be doing something a little different, which will be really fun. Um, but we are going to, Brenna and myself will be uh, talking about some movies that kind of sum up our lives, different phases of our lives. Yeah. I'll help y'all get to know us a little better and hopefully give you some movie recommendations. <laughs> yeah. And it won't be all serious and yeah. sad. It'll be- <laughs> I'll try not to be too self-serious. I'm sorry if that, a little bit of that comes out. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be really fun. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to it. Stay safe out there. Yeah. (laughs) Stay safe and stay healthy.